Welcome to Talk Time with Max Contact, the podcast where we talk about the latest contact center and customer experience, industry news, and insights. Join us as we welcome industry experts, discuss actionable strategies you can apply to your business, and help professionals like you on your path to long-term career progression and success. I'm your host, Sean McIver. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talk Time with Max Contact. I'm your host, Sean McIver. I'm joined today by customer experience guru, Katie Stabler. And yeah, welcome, Katie. Katie is the founder and director of customer experience at Cultivate, which supports organizations to deliver outstanding customer experience. Katie's proven experience in developing customer-focused strategies with organizations that want to embrace an organizational customer experience strategy, driving exceptional operational and business performance. Her experience includes leading customer experience strategies at the Female Entrepreneur Association, Lowell, and the Debt Counselors Charitable Trust. Katie, I hope I haven't kind of missed anything there. I don't like to do huge introductions, so I'll hand over to yourself to kind of elaborate on any points. No, that's absolutely perfect. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, yeah, so I'm the founder of Cultivate Customer Experience, which I started at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> that was a brilliant start. But actually, so far, so good in relation to the pandemic. You know, it's impacted customer experience a lot, hasn't it? But it's obviously there's been a big drive for the new understanding of what the customer experience landscape looks like. So whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. I'm still here. So, hey, and I'm still smiling. <laughs> and yeah, I, um, although my business has been running since the you know, 2021, I've worked in customer experience for over a decade. So, uh, firmly established, and I absolutely love the conversations and the way in which customer experience twists and turns every year. Absolutely. And I think that's a really great place to start is cultivate the business that you set up. So you set up during the pandemic, as we we both kind of grimaced when you mentioned, (laughs) and you've got 10 kind of 10 plus years experience within customer experience. What led you to deciding to actually found your own company? Because that's, you know, for anybody, that's a big step. What was it that drove you towards wanting to do that? Mainly because I think customer experience is such a wide discipline and there are so many factors to it. And when you talk to somebody about customer experience, you can have a completely different conversation to what you've had any other time because it is so varying. And that's what I wanted to do with relation to setting up my own business is to have a wider industry experience. Obviously, it's great working for companies and being able to focus on a customer experience strategy and to get really into the the nitty gritty and the depths of that. But unless you're willing to jump from company to company to company, you don't get that wide, multi-vertical, global experience that you can when you're able to work as a consultant. So variety, I guess, variety. So let's just circle back for just a second, because I thought it was interesting that you mentioned around the varying conversations you can have around customer experience. So let's start there. How would you go about defining what customer experience is? How would you headline that? For me, customer experience is the interactions that you as an organization have with your customer, but ultimately, and taking it one step deeper, is it's the emotion that you leave your customer feeling, which creates their customer experience, creates that perception. And I think 
A lot of organizations, when they talk about customer experience, it can still be quite technical. And I think a lot of companies are afraid to talk about the emotional connection in there. You know, it's the fluffy stuff. It's the intangible thing. It's that thing that's really hard to put a metric next to. But I think ultimately, unless you are really early in the stages of customer experience management, you need to be thinking about the way in which you emotively connect with your customers. That's a really great way of describing that. I like the fact that you've alluded to the kind of the emotional aspect of it rather than just the metric aspect of it, because I agree. And I think for a business without knowing exactly how they want to measure some of those things, it can be very nebulous in terms of, well, what is good customer experience? How do we know when we've got there? And do you ever get there? And do you ever get that? Absolutely. It's one of those things. It's Is it ever at an end point where you can say, we are now done with this? And for me, probably the answer is no, but there's always improvements to make. So one of the other things that I saw was this phrase that comes up quite a lot around customer centricity. So we've got customer experience and customer centricity. So let me ask, what does customer centricity mean to you? Oh, customer centricity is like the holy grail, isn't it? It's the thing that all customer-focused organizations are seeking to achieve. Customer centricity for me is quite simply the notion of designing, developing, continually improving everything you do, service or product, around your customers. And I do get people who come in and say, oh, what about the employees here? Because, of course, employee experience is crucial. I'm talking about customer experience. That's where my focus lends itself to. Of course, employee experience is important. And you cannot have a good customer experience without a good employee experience. So I'm not saying you shouldn't be employee-centric either. But customer centricity, there is so much research around there, which shows that actually the more customer centric and the more customer focused an organization is, the better the employee experience is too. So it all comes hand in hand for me. I absolutely agree. I find it interesting as well that one of the conversations I've had previously is no one comes to work to do a bad job. And there's nothing more frustrating, having been on the phones myself, there's nothing more frustrating than coming across an issue with a customer who you fully empathize with and you want to help, but you aren't able to do so. And I think creating those effective customer experience journeys for want of a better phrase, and making sure that those barriers through those interactions are as low as possible, encourages people to feel that they've been able to assist somebody in achieving what they want to achieve. And I think that 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 ties in very nicely to what you were saying around that enhancing the employee experience purely by proxy of being a good journey from a customer point of view. Absolutely. And making sure that as many people in the organization, not just the people designing the back end policies and processes, and not just the people in the front who, you know, are the ones who are interacting, who are the catalyst of customer experience, but making sure as many people in the organization are engaged in customer experience so that they do feel that positive benefit. Yeah. I think one of the key things for me, and I'm going to kind of, we're going to come on to this in a little bit, but it's how you establish customer experience as being a focal point for a business rather than just for frontline staff. And I think one of the things that I think is challenging, and we may as well, in fact, just bring it up now, is around the boardroom. If we talk about the boardroom, then everybody has the cliche playing in their mind of what a boardroom looks like. So if we're thinking in terms of customer experience, how do you communicate customer experience insights to stakeholders in a way that is effective and drives meaningful change 
in the context of it being a boardroom? How do you go about achieving that? I have a few strategies for this. And undoubtedly, I think this is one of the more challenging aspects of any customer experience professional, be someone employed within an organization or an external consultant. When it comes down to the boardroom, undoubtedly, it comes down to talking about money. And, you know, there's this big black hole when it comes to customer experience and return on investment. And there's often a lot of conversation around how difficult it is to actually prove return on investment. So I think a couple of the key strategies to take with regard regards to making sure it's important and it's a conversation that stays on the table for a long time and it's not just a tick box is storytelling. I think you need to get the attention of the people in the room and you can do that brilliantly by telling the stories of your customers and your employees. Going back to the ROI point, I think where possible, absolutely do that because money does speak in the boardroom. So again, there's difficulties around that, but I've always found one of the most simplest and most widely applicable ways of attaching return on investment to customer experience initiatives is often to have some lean methodology attached to it as well. So looking at where your customer experience is creating the most costs unnecessarily, and these can be costs in many, many different multifaceted ways, but then showing the improvements that you're making and actually the cost reduction. is It's not From a cultural perspective, that's perhaps not the best way to approach it because you don't want CX to be all focused on money, money, money. But from a general approach, that tends to work across all customer experience initiatives. So it's a a little, I think, a trick for every CX practitioner to have. And lastly, the last strategy is consistency. You've just got to continue to talk about it. And you may be the only person in that room who is strongly advocating for the customer voice but you have to be comfortable and confident in continuing to raise that conversation to make sure it has its place. I think that ties in really nicely as well to the culture of a business. If we think about again my experience of customer experience from the front lines when I worked in a very large organization was that we had a relatively small customer experience team and they were put away in the corner and told to think about the customer experience. And that was us doing customer experience. Whereas in actual fact, having lived and breathed the industry for as long as I have, it's much more of a cultural thing. There has to be an embracement of the culture. But how important is that culture in being established in a contact center environment? How do you go about even beginning to establish that if you don't already have it? And I guess are there warning signs or indicators that can give an easy indication of where that's at culturally within a business? I realize that was lots of questions. No, no, you're fine. And to go back to the first point in there about a small team, I mean, wow, you're lucky if a company even has a team, never mind a small team. When I, prior to my consultancy days, when I worked for organizations, yes, I was either the only one or one of, but a very, very few, even in a very big organization. So yes, that's a challenge. It's a challenge, which again comes down to a resource and maybe prioritization, depending on where your organization prioritizes customer experience. But the cultural thing, it's a big ambition. It's a big goal to change culture in an organization. And it takes time. And back to my original point, it takes consistency. Two of the key things that I think are important with regards to cultural change is no matter how big your CX team is, or whether or not you are just a lone ranger who doesn't even officially have a CX title, you're just driving the cause. I think it's 
building up advocates. So uh, engaging with the people around you who also have a very strong customer centric focus, um, building the advocates, building up those little work streams. And I also really, really love nudge theory. So, you know, just the implementation of a little bit of CX sprinkled here, a little bit of it there, you know, some, some things written in communications some things put up on walls, conversations built into quality assurance, all of these little bits of whatever it may be, but in this case, CX nudged into people's peripherals so that it just subconsciously starts to ease in, ease in, ease in. And then when finally maybe initiative needs picking up off the ground, people have already started to got this mindset of customer experience. Which leads beautifully onto one something else that I wanted to mention, and that was around the channels of communication internally within a business. Now we've got company-wide emails, direct emails, one-to-ones, team huddles, posters that go up around the office environments. Are there any particular internal communication channels that can drive the CX conversation more effectively than others? Or as you say, is it more around nudge theory, making sure that it's literally littered everywhere, breadcrumb throughout the entire organization? I'd love to answer that with yes, yes, there is a channel because then that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? We could all start using it. But no, unfortunately not. And actually, uh, communication is consistently, no matter what industry I'm working with, no matter what size of organization, no matter where they are in the world, communication is always a significant challenge. No company has managed to perfectly get that right yet. So no, I don't think there is a perfect channel. I think that the perfect channel is the channel that your organization is utilizing the most, that is most successful. You go to where your users, your staff, whoever it is you're communicating with, you go to where they are. Okay, so let's circle back around to the communication challenge that you talked through. So and tie it back to some of the things that we've been discussing up until this point. So we talked about customer experience in the boardroom and the challenges that you can face there, but framing it through ROI, breadcrumbing and nudge theory through communication across the entire business. What are some of the perhaps trends or most common challenges within that communication framework once you've got stakeholder buy-in? And I guess, how can stakeholder engagement most effectively drive the frontline changes in relation to customer experience within that framework? I really love talking about communication in customer experience because almost to your point before about how nobody goes into work to do a bad job, this kind of applies to the conversation of communication. We all communicate. Nobody specifically sets off to upset or frustrate anybody. Yet we take for granted how important thoughtful communication is and this applies internally and externally so to internally the people you work with and externally to your customers we are so busy our day-to-day doing and we are often on autopilot that our level of communication unlike marketing which is very very specific it's very well curated it's designed for specific intent outside of marketing all of our communication just tends to happen and we might have some good customer service training in relation to you know active listening and the kind of responses a company wants somebody to take but we forget about some of the deeper things that happen in communication i.e the neuroscience involved the way that our emotions trigger things perhaps unintendedly we also forget about the psychology of communication and again how it connects to our emotion and how actually 
we can design the way in which we communicate to deliberately elicit the kind of emotion we want our communicatee, uh, the person we're speaking to, to actually feel. And although that might seem really big and broad and perhaps too much of a thought process to go through with everybody in the organisation, I actually find taking a step back and just a 30-minute workshop on the psychology, the neuroscience, the impact of our communication is incredibly thought-provoking and it just, again, changes the mentality of how we approach communication in an organisation. And one of the biggest things, actually, which I think, to maybe bring that down to more specifics, is the empathy gap. So for anybody who's unfamiliar with the empathy gap, it's where, well, there's different versions of the empathy gap, but one of which is where we are in a position of knowing. So maybe we're subject matter experts something, and we're talking to somebody who isn't in a position of knowing, but we make assumptions about their knowledge and therefore we miss knowledge gaps. And it's accidental. We don't intend to upset or frustrate or make somebody feel embarrassed about lack of knowledge. But just the way in which we speak can do that, can create that. And with some minor adjustments and some additional thought into, again, the communication and the the recipient of our communication can have a significant impact on the customer experience of that interaction. So one example of why it's so important. So I've got a bit of a vested interest in this topic, actually, because I've been doing some reading around communication styles and some other stuff kind of in my own personal life. So I've been looking into things like stoicism, true stoicism, and I've also been looking at things like neurolinguistic programming, NLP. So just to kind of expand on what we mean by thoughtful communication and the choice of language specifics, the structuring of what we're wanting to achieve, is that what we're referencing when we mean thoughtful communication? Just so I'm really clear on that. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's just that stepping out of the autopilot, which we often find ourselves in for whatever reason. It's stepping out of that and actually being very mindful, very present and very considerate in that conversation. And again, one of the when I'm delivering this kind of training, one of the things I lean back on to get across the, the point of why that's so important is, again, related to the neuroscience. So our amygdala in our brains sat there just ticking away happy as Larry until something triggers it. And that can be good or bad. And how easily that is triggered depends on our emotions that day, our capacity, whether or not we've just had six screaming children tugging at our tails for the last hour. Lots of things can influence our mood. And it's that ability to recognize that if, for example, let's just say we're a customer service agent on the phone to a customer explaining something relatively simple or which should be relatively simple and not really listening to the cues that actually that customer, no matter how simple this is, they're not in a position to get what you're saying right at this moment in time. And actually you have to take a step back and empathize with the situation and maybe change the approach in your communication. And it's that kind of mindful thoughtfulness, which again, not just applies in customer service, but applies to our internal communication with our internal stakeholders. And that was the point I was kind of going to make off the back of that, because the more that you recognize and improve on that skill of empathic, thoughtful communication with customers, it's like the neural pathways get trodden down more and you're more engaged and more able to leverage those when you're then having internal communication conversations. So am I right in assuming that as you improve that skill set, actually you'll enhance the internal communication by proxy as well? Absolutely. And there's no reason why you shouldn't. And 
it all comes back to that emotional IQ and emotional intelligence. And that isn't natural to everybody. We don't all have that skill set, but it can be nurtured. And it is just with practice. And obviously, the more you do it in one context, in one setting, hopefully, the more you're going to do it in another. It does require discipline and it requires stepping out of your BAU mindset to be able to do that, which is why from a customer service perspective, from a training perspective, I mean, even an internal training perspective, this is an opportunity to look at it from a slightly different lens. So it isn't just your usual, like, you know, active listening skills, passive listening, avoidance. It's got some more depth to it, the real understanding. So it's interesting because in a number of the conversations I've had with customer experience professionals, this is a trend that is coming through. There is, There does need to be an awareness of consumer behavior and customer psychology. If I'm a customer experience professional who's just starting out in their career, how deep do you believe that you need to go to be able to begin to get inroads from that? Or are there some kind of really basic principles that you can leverage to still get an effective outcome? There are loads of resources which touch on these topics in a a very digestible way. So there's a great book. I'm just having a little look to see what I can... How to Argue with a Cat by... Let me see what the title... Jay Hendricks. How to Argue with a Cat by Jay Hendricks, right? Great book. And it's got some of the things I'm talking about just woven through there that, you know, you learn by proxy, learn on subconscious. You're laughing. Do you know the book? I don't, but I absolutely love the title (laughs) because it tells me everything I need to know. I have had many cats through the course of my life. And yes, I often just speak to my cats and behaviorally. It's a great book. I'd recommend it. I love that. I'm going to add that to my list. That's fantastic. Well, but it has some of the principles that I'm talking about in there. So you don't have to necessarily go out and learn about Robert Puchnik's psycho theory of evolution or an emotion. You don't have to go out and learn that. You don't have to learn about neuroscience. But if you just grow your reading around communication in general, a lot of these topics are, I say, infiltrate the content anyway. So you'll get it through proxy. So just on the back of what we were saying before about establishing a CX culture, a customer experience culture, One of the things that you've also mentioned is that there are people who are naturally attuned to being thoughtful communicators and who have that natural skill more so than others. Is there an opportunity then to identify those individuals and almost utilize them as being a font of that resource or a font of that culture radiating from them to people who maybe need more support in developing those skills across all levels of a business? Yeah, definitely. I love my two-point answers in this conversation. So two points to this. (laughs) One, yes. And going back to that whole notion of how CX should infiltrate every area of the business, one of which is of course, recruitment. So try and recruit for people with this skill set, with this natural ability. They'll help in all areas of the business. But with regards to you know the, the workforce that you already have, and I'm sure the abundance of people in the organization who naturally have these skills, one of the best tools, particularly around frontline and quality assurance, is consistency sessions. So they might be named different things in different organizations, but basically getting a team of people together to listen to a good call or to, to review a good experience, a good journey mapping perhaps, where these good practice principles have naturally taken place. And you know, just talk and learn about what you can get from this and how this good practice can be replicated in their work, in other areas of the business. So I think that's one of the 
not only does that showcase someone's good work, so it gives them an opportunity to be you know, put in front of people and praised and recognised, but it also shows very tangible, real experiences of this taking place and how others can learn from that. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, the standardization meetings, the kind of benchmarking sessions, familiar with those in, in the past. And that makes perfect sense to utilize that as a platform. Again, it's another communication channel because that will then get disseminated across the business. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. You touched earlier on around the importance of data to be able to understand customer experience. How do you go about advising your clients to use customer data to drive customer experience improvements at Cultivate? First of all, getting it. So I, definitely the utilizing is important, but so many organizations are still in really early stages of obtaining customer insight. A lot go for you know the, the standard approach to voice of the customer, sending out a survey, getting some feedback, and then maybe it stops there. Whereas actually there are so many data points around your experience, which you can utilize, some of which are really easy to do, like how easy your website is to use. And you can just see that through some of your data, social channels, complaints, just general communication. And then one of my favorites, which I know is a bit of a marmite in the customer experience world, but customer journey mapping, voice of the process that is illuminating for data points and insight. So first of all, it's about getting it and about getting it in as many different variations as possible. And then I guess really the first point I would always do is look at prioritization. So make sure the analysis is taking place on the data and then look at what are the most important things the data is telling us and making sure that that's where the organization focuses its attention on either what's working incredibly well, and again, we need to replicate and spread across the organization, but actually often more so than not, where things are not going so well, and we need to make improvements, but not just improvements, value add. Customer experience isn't just about fixing something that's broken. It's about maybe fixing something that's broken, but also flipping it to think, well, how can we make it even better than it has been previously? So prioritization would be the first port of call for data use. Excellent. I'm going to jump onto something that you just said and use that as my in, because I wanted to ask about this. So you said that customer journey mapping is a bit of a Marmite thing. You describe yourself as a, quote, comfortable disruptor of the status quo, unquote. <laughs> what do you mean by that? So again, with customer experience, as I said before, it's a very diversified topic. But actually, most organizations, if you ask them, do you know your customer experience, will say yes. And I would challenge every organization that I've worked with that response, because actually, we have a perception of our customer experience. But most companies, unless they have reached that holy grail of customer centricity, and unless they are really far in their CX journey, most companies do not understand their customer experience. They do not live it. They do not breathe it every day. And we are all naturally biased. So we, of course, like to think that this process is working wonderfully and we're not getting complaints on that. So that must mean it's perfect. So I think any customer experience professional needs to be comfortable in challenge and needs to be comfortable in disrupting because actually if we don't then change isn't going to happen we are all going to sit in this little bubble thinking we have we have customers so therefore we must be giving a good customer experience and actually there's a lot of reason a customer might be your customer and it might not be because of experience and that might be the reason they stop being a customer one day 
understood. And again, that makes perfect sense. I'm going to switch gears a little bit now. We've talked a lot about customer experience and kind of your your input into that. But I'd like to talk a little bit more specifically about you and your insights, if that's okay, through lens of you. So several years into the business now with Cultivate, what's your proudest achievement since setting up Cultivate? Ooh, proudest achievement. That's a great question. One I wish I'd researched. <laughs> proudest achievement. I mean, one, I like the diversity that I've been able to encourage in my portfolio. So I like that I've been able to adapt to multiple different industries. But actually, Jane, I'm being totally honest, one of my biggest personal achievements is around skill growth. I go into organizations with the knowledge and experience that I have, but undoubtedly there is a gap. And I'm very proud that I'm adaptable and manage just to fill that gap, whether it's learning to code and develop my own CX online masterclass. Never done that before, but I mean, I'd say I'm a Now, I'm not a semi-proficient coder, but a little bit of coding. That's probably my biggest achievement, actually, skill development, skill growth. And that's a a fantastic kind of ability to have, to be able to kind of see a gap and go, I need to learn that and go and actually learn that. I think that's that's a phenomenal skill to have. Next up, one of the things I want to talk about was the industry. So I've got kind of three questions here that kind of bookend each other nicely. You were a judge at the UK Customer Experience Awards back in 2020. Do you recall what your standout takeaways were from that? I remember the most memorable submissions were the people that, again, had a resonance with emotion. So that were doing something that actually, it isn't just the standard approach to customer experience. It isn't the tick box. It isn't the go out, review the experience, map the journey, fix it, go on to the next one. It's the things where actually the initiatives were really focused about making the experience better for the customer. And actually, I might get shot for saying this, but it was one around DHL, <laughs> who I know there's been lots of issues with the post recently. So, But at that time, they had done just a, I can't remember what the initiative was, but I remember it just left me with such such a lasting impression, thinking that is such a fantastic initiative and like well done for them for going out and having the ambition to do that. So the ones that emotively resonate with customers. Fantastic. And then... To kind of take us through to where we are now and the year as it begins, my two-part question to close us off for this conversation was what were some of the key trends in customer experience that we saw in 2022? And what are your key trend predictions that you see either continuing or coming in in 2023? I think obviously we talked about digitalization loads and of course we have progressed tenfold. And I think it's a conversation that's going to continue more and more I'm seeing it all come back to the basics of customer experience. So again, a lot of what we focus on the conversation today, but around personalization, around humanization, yes, everything has become so digitalized, but in a world which is so topsy-turvy at the moment with all of the different things we're having to battle with, actually people appreciate human touch. And that isn't to say that there isn't a space for self-serve and digitalized processes, but it is to say that All of that has to have some empathetic drive behind it and real value add and making sure that where there is a requirement for an ability to speak to someone real, a human, that that is always an option. So it's interesting, really, because it's not new, but it's certainly become more predominant this year, given the past couple of years that we've had. 
And I think that's a really great point to end on. I think it is really important. So what I would like to do, Katie, is just take a moment to say thank you ever so much for talking to us about Cultivate, about your experience and about your opinions on the industry and communication in customer experience and the culture. Um, again, thank you ever so much. And I am absolutely now going to go and buy myself how to argue with a cat. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having me. Talk Time is brought to you by Max Contact. To find out more about Max Contact and how our customer engagement software can help you and your teams provide smarter customer experiences, visit maxcontact.com and book your personalized demo today. Be sure to search Talk Time with Max Contact in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found and leave us a positive rating to help other like-minded individuals join the conversation. Finally, before you go, never miss a future episode by clicking the subscribe button and turning on notifications. On behalf of the team here at Max Contact, thanks for listening.